The UDHR was incredibly aspirational at the time that it was written. Many of its provisions on equality, regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, or gender, were ahead of their time and were not being implemented in the countries that signed on to it. And because of that forward-thinking approach, the UDHR has really stood the test of time. And if you read it today, the values and the language that includes continues to resonate. Hi, I'm Marty Flax, Kosravi Chair in Principled Internationalism and Director of the Human Rights Initiative at CSIS, and I'm here to talk about our recent collection of essays, 75 Years of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We compiled these essays as we approached the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights on December 10th, and we wanted to emphasize the continued relevance of the content of the UDHR 75 years after its adoption. We brought together experts from across CSIS to talk about how the UDHR and human rights in general influences their work and is relevant to the issues in foreign policy that they are focused on. One of the takeaways from this collection is that the UDHR was incredibly aspirational at the time that it was written. Many of its provisions on equality, regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, or gender, were ahead of their time and were not being implemented in the countries that signed on to it. And because of that forward-thinking approach, the UDHR has really stood the test of time. And if you read it today, the values and the language that includes continues to resonate. Several of the essays emphasize the importance of including regional and global voices in the creation of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Chris Hernandez-Roy emphasizes, for example, that the Inter-American Declaration on Human Rights actually precedes the UDHR by a few months and points to a number of the principles it includes that were adopted into the UDHR. Hadil Ali's piece points to the important role that Global South Voices played in its formulation and the importance of consistency in how we think about human rights across the Global North and the Global South. A number of our essays also touch on how relevant human rights is to a host of foreign policy issues that we're facing in the current environment. Kate Lynch and Rothman, for example, talks about technology and human rights. Emily Benson looks at human rights and export controls. Gracelyn Baskerin talks about the importance of respect for human rights in the development of critical mineral supply chains. Another theme that I think is important is the challenges of addressing human rights in a multipolar world, in a world of global competition. And Natasha Hall makes this point powerfully when she points to the example of Syria and the limitations on a human rights approach that the United States tried to undertake there. The last theme that this collection of essays emphasizes is the importance of continued U.S. leadership on global human rights and not to be deterred by the fact that our own domestic human rights situation is far from perfect or that we are not perfectly consistent in our application of global human rights around the world. Jim Lewis talks about, for example, the irony that so many members of the U.N. bodies that are designed to protect human rights contain some of the world's worst human rights abusers. Dan Rundy points to the importance of U.S. leadership and the demand for U.S. leadership alongside our partners, despite the challenges and maybe even because of the domestic challenges that we're facing. There continues to be a call for U.S. leadership on global human rights that started with the drafting of the declaration itself and continues to this day. To read the full collection of essays, 75 Years of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, please visit CSIS.org. Thank you.